I'm Andy Green, and welcome to the Naked Man Podcast. It was November 4th, 2011. I was 23 years old and 25 days into my first backpacking adventure. After getting sufficiently lost, anxious, and sweaty via a ferry, bus, and train, I finally arrived at Lagan Backpackers, my hostel in Belfast, Northern Ireland. Upon arriving, I met Paul and my guest for this week's episode, Marianne Tangi. The two Aussies were bickering like an old married couple, and I figured they had been traveling together for a while but quickly realized they'd only met that day. An instant connection and friendship is part of the magic of backpacking. And Paul and Marianne's kindness and welcoming nature were such that I felt like part of their merry band immediately. The city was buzzing around the presence of Justin Bieber for the 2011 MTV Europe Music Awards hosted by Selena Gomez. But we didn't give a shit. We went for beers, meddled in a long simmering Scottish romance, and of course, all got bedbugs from our hostel. Our paths diverged shortly thereafter, but Paul and Marianne have never left my life, being incredible correspondents, confidants, and supporters. Later on during that trip, I reconnected with Marianne in Dublin and in Bruges with her friend Miriam. They chose a brewery as our meetup spot, indulging my burgeoning passion for craft beer. And from there, we embarked upon an all-time great pub crawl, complete with Aussie slang lessons and multiple stops for fries with spicy ketchup and mayo. As I wrote in my awkward travel blog at the time, it was one of the best days I've ever had. Quote, It didn't hurt that I shared Bruges with two pretty gals who kissed me on the cheek in kissing spots throughout the city. (laughs) Since bumping into her on the road, Marianne has been an adventurer in arms. She's been on many jealousy-inducing solo travels since, not the least of which was when she cat-sit for my parents during her most recent sojourn that took her across the U.S., Mexico, and beyond. Marianne and I have stayed in touch for many reasons, but primarily because we both have the travel bug in us and will forever, and with that comes rampant romanticization an omnipresent itch to leave, to want more, to never be quite satisfied, to never stop learning. Marianne joins me today to discuss wanderlust, to explore our addiction to exploring and the double-edged sword that comes with independence and loneliness. Marianne, Mez, welcome to the next adventure. Welcome to the Naked Man podcast. Thanks for having me. That's very lovely, all those things you said. And accurate. Accurate? Okay. There's no fact-checking? That accurate. No, no fact-checking there. I can't remember the fries. We apparently had but two, I had two fries in the, sa- the same day with you uh, in Bruges. I can't remember them, so obviously the beer was good. Yeah, the beer was good. The beer was doing its job. I, I, I didn't remember that either. I just reread those blog posts before this. It probably doesn't just surprise you to know that Miriam was like hiking up a hill while we ate fries. So yeah, she went on like exercise while we, you know. Of course, she was definitely a fitness fanatic and we were fries fanatics and that's okay. (laughs) Yeah, there's no judgment, Um, especially in Belgium. That's, that's the home of the fries. Um, That's exactly right. We were, we were culturally, culturally immersing ourselves. (laughs) That's fine. Mez, like. It still feels weird when I say that. I think of you as Marianne and I feel like a stupid American when I say, like when I call you Mez, which is like, you know, your nickname or what you go by, right? Like everyone calls you that? Yeah. 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 Most people do call me Mez. Yeah. 
Yeah, or MA. Some people call me MA. MA, I like group. that. MA. Yeah, you could call me MA, whatever, whatever you feel like. But Marianne's a mouthful, isn't it? Who wants to say Marianne all the time? No one. It's only three syllables, you know? <laughs> like, it's not too bad. You know, I can do it. You can call me whatever you like, whatever makes you comfortable. <laughs> Just don't call me Mary. And don't call you Anne. Call all right, Mary. it has to be all Got it. perfect. Uh, well, how are you feeling? How are you doing in this moment? Um, we agreed that we were going to be honest and um, I've just explained to you before we started recording that uh, Melbourne's going into lockdown for seven days. We've got a few cases of COVID, which probably to your American audience seems a bit odd because um, you've got thousands of cases, but we have 25 cases and we're going into lockdown. So that just means there's only like five reasons we're allowed to leave the house. And this is my first lockdown. I've not been in a proper lockdown. So I'm... Uh, you're getting panic a taste. buying this morning. Yeah, no, I didn't. <laughs> Don't panic buy this. Not, not, not a good idea. So it's okay. That sort of blew my mind because yeah, 25 cases would be. Uh, I don't have concept of what it is right now, but it does feel like uh, feels like we're in last year with that with that news. But I guess I'm glad you're you're safe, you're healthy, you have your cooler, Definitely. and and yeah, and you have your new apartment. So congratulations! I'm glad you got it. Like Thanks, if it was like last week, that would have been even worse, right? Oh, I would have been homeless. You know, should we explain the cooler? Sure. I have a, I have a cooler instead of a fridge because I've just moved into a new apartment, um, <laughs> and that's fine. It's like camping every day in my house. And that's the dream, because this is this is that's just another the dream. It's, this is just another adventure for you, right? Yeah, maybe I should sleep on the balcony overnight. Ooh, yeah, no, I've I've definitely done that over here. It, like I, we've even pitched the tent. And oh, my mom, great! Yeah, yeah, my mom used to do that when we were kids too. Like we would, if we were just outside in the yard or just on like our patio uh, when we were in Tahoe, just to like sort of, I don't know, just makes it feel really fun and adventurous even though you can just go inside to go to the bathroom you know (laughs) it's the best kind of yeah you're right i'm definitely trying with my cooler on the balcony just be like i'm in the mountains really maybe a little bit less of a a view yeah yeah there's a couple of trees and a couple of cockatoos yeah that's what imagination is for yeah i think for me i'm just happy to see you and happy to to talk about traveling because it's almost as fun as traveling itself. <laughs> yep. and, yeah. And it'll, yep. it'll feed the itch slightly. Uh, you know, it'll feel like yes. I'm doing it, even though we're sitting in our rooms, yeah. not traveling at all. <laughs> no, in lockdown. So, you know, listeners got a little bit of a peek into where my head was at in 2011. And you are a little bit older than me and also have had more worldly traveling experiences. But was this your first big trip back then? Like, where was your mindset when, when we met in Belfast? Yeah, I'd um, done what a lot of Australians do and gone and got a, a UK two-year working holiday visa. So I was working in the UK on and off and travelling in Europe at the same time. So we can stay for two years in um, the UK and then we can travel for three months at a time within Europe. So I was travelling three months, working for a few months, travelling for three months, working for a few months. Doing the the Schengen thing, yeah, the ninety days. Doing the Schengen visa thing, yeah, exactly. And also like going into Morocco and those places, anywhere that was within a vicinity of the UK that I could get to relatively easily. And I, I was free, wasn't I? Like I wasn't had no, I had no commitments really. I was single. 
my family was all well and healthy back home. So I was um, living a good life and I was there with Marion. You, you met me with Marion in Belgium and she, um, she was one of my university friends. And I had lots of different friends from Australia or from New Zealand where I went to university who were in the UK at the time. So those were the people I was hanging out with. And obviously Paul. I didn't know Paul. Right. Yeah, Paul was a new friend. Hi, new Paul. Friend Paul. Hi, Paul. Hi, Paul. <laughs> yeah. I've got it. Now we're in lockdown. I can't go and have dinner with him, but I oh, need no. to sort that out. Mm. He lives in Melbourne as well. Well, hopefully, when by the time this episode's out, you and Paul will have reconnected. You can send me an embarrassing video, uh, and I'll be really yeah. jealous. <laughs> but yeah, that's our tradition is whenever Paul and I see each other is to yell down the phone after a couple of glasses of wine at Andy going, hey, Andy, you should be here. <laughs> it's very easy for someone to fly to Australia. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I've made promises multiple times to go and it still hasn't happened, but maybe I, I'm not going to make a promise again. It, it doesn't do now. anything, so I won't say anything. No. I won't do the... The I should go, I want to go, all that's true. No, don't do that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I it's think all I, true. I know, I know. Oh, good. I already feel bad for not traveling. Perfect. We did it. Now, Andy, just um, just before we move any further, Andy, you forgot to mention how you're feeling. How I'm – oh, I did say briefly that I was happy to see you and that I'm happy to talk about uh, traveling, but I guess maybe that wasn't uh, honest enough. I mean, yeah, how are you going? Let's see. I, I was telling you beforehand, I have my, my CBD sparkling water that is keeping me calm, cool, and collected. So, I'm so jealous. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for a trip with my wife actually coming up. And, you know, the next three weeks before it are going to be insane. But that's sort of, mm. we're like, in mm. a way, holding our breath until then when we'll get to exhale and sort of take a road trip around the country. So, was that, do you want more? Yeah. No, that's great. <laughs> Okay. Thank you for keeping me honest. And uh, so, okay. So when you were in, when we met, you were sort of, it was a part of a a work visa, but obviously, I mean, it is very common. Like I met so many Australians in Europe, probably more than Europeans, like on similar, you know, on these trips. But I felt like, I think you had a different attitude about it and sort of, it was definitely felt like a lifestyle or at least you were like maybe discovering that that is the case right like when I met you I don't know if yeah yeah Yeah, when did that like move into a lifestyle type thing yeah I think I've always been one to want to be doing new and exciting things like I left school and I went to university in New Zealand which is only a short flight away but it's a different country and then um I always wanted to get out you know always wanted to see new things and and not just be involved in the world that I grew up in which I love the world that I grew up in, but I wanted to expand. And so Europe was also an extension that, and since then I've done a couple of more one-year trips where I've gone and travelled for long periods. I've never been a person who, like, goes and works somewhere really and stays in one spot internationally. If I'm going to stay in one spot, I think I'd rather be in Australia, close to my family. But... If I'm on the move, yeah, and I've definitely structured my life around being able to be on the move. So, you know, I'll work for a few years, save up enough money and go travelling for a year and then work for a few years and save up enough money and then go travelling for a year. And I'm privileged enough to be able to do that because I've got to, I'm a physical therapist and I can. So it's easy enough. 
and and I mean pri- privileged, not just financially. I mean like privileged from a, a mindset and a and a family that's forced me to do it, and and a work a workplace that a job that I can come in and out of with ease. And obviously that like privilege is sort of come to realize that I think the more we travel and the, and the more places we see, cause yeah, the first time I traveled, I had no concept of that really, but really it was also the first mm-hmm. time where I, I went outside myself and realized not only is the world much bigger than my head, it's much bigger than America. And it was not that I was ever rah, rah America person. I never was that, but it was so enlightening to see what other people thought of me or my country and the world, because I just, you know, it was very limited. Go. You've got to bear in mind that, that that opinion is also based on a limited exposure. That's so you true. say, you know, you want, to, you, you want to know what other people's opinion of America is, but have they spent lots of time in America? Do they know lots of Americans or have they only experienced their country in, a, in that bubble? Just like you're explaining that you might have been in a bubble. That's true. That's true. The stereotypes go both ways or the limited scope. Mm. I'm mm. just used to painting myself as the villain. So I, I will take all the blame and everyone else is fine to ju- They can judge me. I can't judge them. <laughs> yeah, right. Got it. <laughs> but no, yeah, that's a, a, a valid point. Rational me agrees mm-hmm. and, and needs to remember. Uh, and then, <laughs> do you feel, well, because you say like you sort of, you know, every few years you've been going on these trips. Do you feel... Mm. Is it like an anxiety? Is it like an itch? Or like, what is that feeling? Or is it sort of just like you already know yourself to just plan every X years, I'm going to be doing this? No, it's an itch. So it comes it comes up on me. And then I get the urge to, my sister would tell you that I run away, but I don't, I don't know if I run away. I just get the urge to be experiencing more than what I'm experiencing in my life. And particularly from meeting new people, seeing new things and, um, experiencing experiencing cultures outside of my own, so that's what will trigger it. Trigger it. So if I get in a bit of a rush, I'll be like, "All right, I'm getting ready to go. Time to start saving properly and buckle down and and then and get out of here." I mean, I can't help but I want to like get in the the sister's perspective there of like because mm. I feel I feel like sometimes it, it is a running away in a little bit, um, mm. but maybe not mm. in a. Mm. Um, well, I guess, wh- why do you think she says that? Or why does she say that? Um, why does she say that? Or, I, I mean, think do prob- you disagree? You disagree? She's probably, no, I don't disagree. I, I agree <laughs> there's a component, I, I agree there's a component of it. Because why would I want to leave? Um, why do I get that itchiness? Why do I get that feeling of wanting to see new and wonderful things? It's because I'm in a place where I'm not, haven't created a life where those things are happening. So therefore I'm running away from my current life and shaking up rather than doing a, making small changes to make my life better in the place that I'm at. So she, yeah, she does, she does have a point that I will run away and I'll do it after breakups. Like if I come out of a relationship and I'm I'll, a year, two years later, I'll take off for a year. If I'm in a job I don't particularly like, I'll be like, all right, I'll just go traveling. So that, she's not wrong. But like, it also feels like rather than sort of sit in it, you know, you're maybe taking some action and maybe that's, you know, it's almost, well, with relationships or a job, it's like kind of grieving maybe or. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. 
like I mean, you mentioned the the making small changes when you're there, and that you you could do that instead. But maybe, and and I'm I'm speaking sort of to myself too when I say this. Like maybe we're also sort of trying to figure out what changes we actually want to make when we go out. Like it's sort of like we know this mm-hmm. isn't working mm-hmm. exactly right. You know, this isn't mm-hmm. exactly where I want to be right now. And there are probably a million reasons why that is. And it's only to get space, get out of your head, get out of the normal, you know, the same view that we have every morning, the same toilet, the same friends, the Mm -hmm. same, all those people. And it sort of, it shakes you loose. Right. And then maybe when you come back, you can sort of, you know, what's more important or maybe have a little bit better idea of what path to go on to sort of improve. Does that check out? Yeah, I reckon that's true. And, and I think with every big trip or every trip that I make, I, learn things about myself and the things that I can bring to the world and want to bring to the world. <laughs> so, yeah, and then you refine the way you live when you get back and you change maybe who you're hanging out with and what you're doing and how you're contributing when you get back to facilitate, like to incorporate those things that you've learned. You're right. Yeah, that definitely happens. How about for you? Does that happen for you? The, when you the, go, when, yeah. the itch? The itch? Um, yeah, well, I guess I will, uh, I'll say like where my head was at the, like when we met and that mm. was sort of the first, well, I think my first actual adventure, similar to you going to New Zealand for college, for uni, I mm. went to Ithaca in upstate New York and I was from the opposite side of the country. So it might've even been further away than where you went, but obviously the same country, mm. but sort of a Would've, similar, yep. a similar thing. And that at the time I was actually like had signed my application to go to the hometown or home city, basically, uh, University of Washington in Seattle to go and to room Mm. with my best friend at high school at the time. Like that was, I was going to do that and go to like business school. And then basically before I turned that in, I realized why why would I do that? Why? And I, I basically was just like, no, I need to get out. I need to explore. I need to get beyond here. I don't want to be able to go and do laundry at home, you know, or you know, any of that stuff, you know, being 15 minutes away from home, I, cause I am a homebody, I think most of the time. And it, but it was like, I need to challenge myself. And that's the same sort of a thing. It's like, I need to push myself out or else I won't do it. It's kind of a fear of like, oh, I'm going to be stuck. And so I, I'm almost maybe more proactive and force myself into things that scare me. So Ithaca college did scare me. And it was sort of, I think the first move of like, okay, the travel brain. And also it gives you each time you travel or enter new situations, you get to be a different person or you sort of get to remake yourself or like who, what Andy is going to be in New York. And I love being that, you know, before they know my flaws or before I, you know, it's sort of hiding or sort of acting, but I, you also, I don't know, you do get to figure out who you want to be in a way. Uh, I'm not sure it's a hundred percent acting. Like I think it's, that when you're in a community that you've been in for a while, then you start to slot yourself in and Mm. maybe then you're not being true to yourself. So then when you move somewhere new, you can actually just start the way you want to be and the person you are and then your community fits around you because you're Ah. meeting all these new people. I think that's exactly right. And and I think it's not even it sort of goes both ways. It's like maybe how people see you or how the community sees you, your family, your friends, mm-hmm. but also how you see yourself because it's sort of reflected back to you. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, like college, Andy was, you know, work hard, play hard. And then it was like to the point where I did not want that to be my life either. And I wanted something else. And unfortunately, I sort of 
I had a DUI within a year after college. And that was the sort of wake up call of like, okay, I can't, whatever I'm doing, that path is not the right one. And that was sort of what really kicked me into my, like basically kicked my ass into like, okay, I need to travel. I need to get out. I need to live, especially at that point I had inklings of like wanting to write, but I had no life experience and what to write about. Like my first script was about a road trip. And of course it was, cause that's everyone's first script and that's all I had done. So yeah, and it was, and it was also, there was a procrastination of like, well, I don't want, I'm not ready to go to LA yet. I haven't written, what am I going to do? And it was, so it was sort of the best excuse not to go, but I think it was also the right, I wasn't ready to go to LA. I needed to sort of, I just knew who I was and actually be self-sufficient. I think, you know, we both are solo travelers. I mean, you were with Miriam yep. for part of that, but, it's you the know. Weekend, yeah. Yeah, you know, going on your own to places is really good for your self-esteem. And also you learn a lot about yourself and the various anxiety attacks or things that I'm having. They're not, I mean, that's over, uh, it's hyperbole, but like every time I, I mentioned that I'm sweaty and anxious arriving in Belfast, that was every single city. I wasn't comfortable until I had my like, you know, my bag locked into the locker and I had my bed, yeah. you know, and it didn't, even when I knew exactly where I map? was going. Yeah. Uh, it didn't I, matter if I, I had a map it. or I not. I always need a map. Maps sometimes, you know, don't help. You know, it didn't, it didn't in but, Bruges. I could not for the life of me figure out Bruges, but that was kind of the magic of it. It felt like we still got to where we needed to go and it was safe enough where it's not like we were going down you know, there wasn't a, no, a bad yeah, bridge right. that you could go down and then you no, just don't come back. No, where we were anyway. <laughs> I can't speak for the whole of Bruges. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, I do have those moments of feeling antsy. That's what, you know, it is that itch. It feels like whatever I'm doing isn't working or maybe yep. it doesn't feel like, sometimes it is like uh, maybe I'm not feeling appreciated where I am or I, I'm certainly not appreciating myself it feels like the best reason to like get out and see, like you said, new and wonderful things. It's like, wait, maybe I'm running away, but also like I'm seeing the world and learning about it. How can that be a mistake or, or sort of, yeah. Cause I'm going to learn something, even if it's a, even if it is a mistake, I think I've talked a lot about like feeling like travel. Sometimes it's like, I'm, I'm expecting to find an answer. You know, like, oh, when I, you know, go to Mexico, I'm going to, like, everything's going to click. I'm going to be, the, you know, the perfect Andy or whatever it is. You know, I'll, I'll know everything. Everything will be no, fine. And obviously that will never, that will never have, it doesn't matter where I go. Um, but do you ever have that feeling where it feels like, okay, if I go to the right, the right waterfall or right park, you know, it's going to be, I mean, you're looking for that moment where you have peace. That's what you're looking for. Well, I'm not very good at being on my own. Like I wasn't until I started solo traveling. And so I thought one of the reasons I went to America for two reasons and I was in the States for six months. One was because I wanted to learn how to be alone and I knew that I'd be driving around in a van, camping in the wilderness by myself and I just wanted to see and I did that for three months. Even at your mum's house I was by myself. I had the cat, but the cat didn't like me. So. Oh, um, Poppy doesn't like anyone, so don't. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. It's fine. It's fine. But, you know, like how do you be by yourself and still be content and comfortable? So that was one of the reasons. The other reason was I wanted to understand how Donald Trump got elected. So I, I wanted to understand the culture and the, the reasons behind that. 
I didn't get that from that trip. I didn't really meet many old Trump supporters. And I, but I thought I would. Um, <laughs> yeah, just yeah, be everywhere, so, yeah. Well, I thought, you know, I might meet people, but I didn't. So that trip, definitely, I was like, I'm going to go and I'm going to learn how to be alone. And it was quite, it was quite difficult. There was times I got my heart a little bit broken and then I was in the tent by myself for two months and I'd be like, why am I doing this, you know? But then once you push, once you push through that, you get to a point where you're like, yeah, I can do this. Yeah, you can do anything. I can do anything. I can't go hiking in the mountains by myself. I'm not very good at that. I used to wait in the car parks until middle-aged couple would come along and going on a hike and then I'd ask if I could follow them up and I was scared of bears and mountain lions. But, (laughs) you know, that's bears and mountain lions. It's not the comfort of being in my own skin. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's 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 what you were searching for, you know, like... Yeah. When you say you can't have a trouble being alone, it's because, yeah, you have trouble being with yourself uh, and being yeah. with the, the, what's inside the brain. And I yes. totally <laughs> emphasize with that. Yeah, for sure. But I think what's great or what I learn every time when I go on these trips to do, I think I go to try and get away from myself. And then it's like, oh, wait, I just ensured that I have three months of just myself, you know? <laughs> and yeah, then, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think I was ever... I've never been as badass as you being in a tent in the woods for two months, you know, alone. Like, I mean, and that maybe that sounds like way more vagabond than you actually were. I, I, I yeah, know well, you yeah, like weren't com- that. Yeah. Yeah. You weren't like completely like bare grills, you know, never seeing anyone. No, 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 no. no. But, and I was in the back of a van for the bear country. So it was fine. It was fine. But still that like, I don't think there are very many yeah. people that would do that. And also, but it's also like when you're in the tent, you're like sort of blaming yourself. You're like, oh, this is what you wanted. This is what you wanted, yeah, Emma. Yeah, this is yeah. what you wanted. Yeah. Now you have to. <laughs> this is what you did yourself. Yeah, exactly. Well, when when you're saying like you you want to learn to be alone, is that more to just like self acceptance, or is it sort of a fear of like I'm gonna be alone forever, so I might as well get used to it in the most hard way possible? Does that make sense? Like that's a hard, like, yes. intense question. Uh, yeah, I get that. No, I have. I'm an optimist when it comes to thinking about whether or not I'm going to have a life partner. I have no doubt in my head that I will find a life partner. It's ridiculous. I don't know how where this self-belief has come from, but I've never doubted that I will find a life partner. I haven't found one yet. But but you will. No, it was but I will, and I'm confident that I will. But the actual being, it's the actual physicality like of being by myself. You know, when you're by yourself for a couple of days at home, it's all right. You're watching Charlie, you make yourself busy. But, but can I not talk to someone for three days and be, still be happy? And, and I could. And you could, yeah. I, I, and I could. And I did need um, a certain amount of social interaction, but I'm an extrovert and I just and I wanted to see if I could get used to not requiring external validation and input and still be happy. I mean, it's, I think it's really, I mean, it's really cool. And, and, and it's, it remind it's, it's like self-improvement, right? You're like, you're trying to, I guess, better yourself, but also like I am an introvert. So it's like maybe me being intent feels more natural, but I still have the same, you know, after three days, not talking to someone, I think I might lie yeah. to myself <laughs> and say, this is what I want, but I miss that. 
how, I mean, you mentioned that you're in a, you know, your first lockdown now, but like, I imagine there was more isolation in the last year. I guess now you're working in the medical field. So you, you, sort yeah, of, you never, I, you never had that experience. Yeah. No, I was working in ICU and hospital wards. So they never, they never shut. I'm a continent. Do you know what I do, Andy? I'm a continence physio. So bowels and bladder and sexual function. And yeah, I knew you were in the, the continence business. Yeah. Yeah, and to assess them, you touch pelvic floors, which means vaginal and rectal exams, and you can't really do that when you can't see someone. Yeah, telehealth on that would be really hard nah, to do. And, and even coaching someone to try and do it for you seems, I mean, the whole thing is potentially awkward you scenario, can't. obviously. Anyway, yeah, it doesn't work. I have to say thank you for the work that you're doing. That's awesome. No worries. But I, but you mentioned meeting people, you know, and, and, and yeah. obviously that's how we're here right now is that we met on one of our travels, yes. connected, and we were one of the lucky ones where we didn't lose track of each other. Like that happened, you know, nice. I met so many people. I think every day it was like, there's five new people from five different countries and they were all the coolest people I'd ever met. Uh, and then I never mm. talked to most of them ever again. And mm. I just sort of wanted to talk to you a little bit about relationships that you've made while traveling and like what that, I mean, what that's like. I think when you meet people traveling, either you have an instant connection and you know that you're going to keep in contact or, you know, you're never going to see them again. Like you enjoy it for the moment of what it is. Mm. Um, I struggled knowing which was which then. I think, <laughs> I think that was, that was me or, or, you know, after the fact, I'd want to rekindle it. And it was sort of like, I got a couple of things where I was like, nah, let's just let that, you know, it was a let's nice, it was a nice night, a nice day. You know, we don't have to do this. And I was, and that was sort of heartbreaking, but also like, oh good. I, I can sort of close that loop in my brain. Yeah. What, describe that instant connection then. Cause it feels like what it is in college, right? It's that sort of same thing where it's just immediately yep, like, oh, we're or maybe kindergarten, right? It's this, it's that same, oh, we're friends now. There's no bullshit. I think you can tell if you're going to be good friends with someone if you jump straight into conversation rather than small talk. So, oh, where are you from? What are you doing? Where are you traveling? You have that conversation a thousand times in a year if you're traveling for a year. But if you're like, I'm trying to think of an example. Oh, like you. You came up and me and Paul were having a bicker. I don't know what we were bickering about, what we were bickering about. Me neither. I think it was just mostly like you were just laughing and, and, and you were doing like inside jokes with each other and referencing things. <laughs> and it was just like, and I, I don't, I don't, I think I was probably just like, where's my bed or something. Uh, I have no idea the actual. And then we were like, we're going out for dinner. Come with us. And then you sit down and you talk about your actual life or you sit down and you say, oh, what are you doing tomorrow? What do you want to see? What kind of things do you like? Blah, blah, blah. Rather than what's your job? Is that, because I know it's a very American thing to ask you what you do. Is that the same in Australia too, though? Like where people just like... Oh, it's pretty standard, yeah. Yeah. I think. In and Europe, I avoid telling people because they'll be like, oh, my back's sore. Oh, my <laughs> knee. I hit my knee last week. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'm sorry. Can you check my <laughs> pelvic floor, <laughs> please? <laughs> yeah, that's my go-to now. I'm like, well, actually, I'm a continence physio now, so if you're wetting yourself, I'm your girl. But otherwise... <laughs> You might need to talk to someone else. <laughs> <laughs> and I think my, my mom always sort of makes the joke now of like, 
whenever she brings up the weather, cause I got mad that that was where we went to all the time. It's just like, why? Cause it's just the, the safe. It's like what, mm, when I worked at the bank, mm. when I worked at bank of America, which is what I oh. was able to save money to go to Europe, every conversation with people you don't know was about the weather, but there was like one every hundred person where you actually had exactly what we're talking about, where you have those magic interactions where we're actually sharing or being honest with each other. And in a way it's very freeing because like, I'm never going to see this guy again. Sure. I can see a social security mm. number and his address, but like, I see a million of those who cares. I don't know who that is, but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. those were the best, and, but it feels like we have to have this armor of like, Oh, what do you do? Uh, what, you know, what? Yeah. It's really yeah, it's sunny yeah. outside, you know? Yeah. It's yeah, going to be nice. It. Yeah. Do you think like, you know how you said Paul and I were having inside jokes? I think that friendships are stronger when they're based on shared experiences. So if you're doing stuff together and you share a particular time at a particular area or whatever, you go visit something, then it's more likely that the relationship's going to last. So the people who I went on an island shopping trip with or I went to a museum with and then I did this with them and then I went on a pub crawl with them, they're the ones that probably have stuck. I was going to ask you, every time you've gone out, did you have like a, a specific date that you were returning home or were they open-ended? Hmm. It's the fifth that you need to claim, doesn't it? When you don't want to, um, I've got to claim the fifth. <laughs> For insurance purposes. Oh, interesting. <laughs> oh, I get it. For work, your your insurance. Oh, no, okay. no, 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 no. Because when you leave a country with travel insurance, you have to have a return trip book oh. for it to be valid. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you would have a trip planned back, but it was still, it was open-handed in your mind. Mm. Got it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, the Europe trip for me was open-ended, but I had like a very... Yeah, I had these delusions of grandeur of how much money it might or how long my money would last. And then, but I also had this idea of like working in Croatia and like doing that. And by yeah. the time, by the time I got to, I didn't even get to Croatia. Like I ran out of money and also <laughs> like I ran out of steam. I was going too fast and I sort of learned. Yeah, you were moving quick. Mm. Yeah. And I, and I got homesick, but I was wondering if, I mean, cause you, do I plan? Not, yeah. Well, you've gone longer. And so you were sort of having this open-ended thing. And but yeah. my follow-up was going to be like, what brings you back as like, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So a lot of my planning is around visas. So for example, I wanted to go to the States because I could get for six months because I could get a six month visa. So then I look at the country and I think, and I talk to people and I go, okay, well, I'm going to do three months on the East coast and three months on the West coast. Then we're roughly then uh, the second thing I take into consideration is like if anyone's coming to visit me or there's a particular event I want to go to. So my America trip was based around swing dancing events and a wedding. My cousin got married in the States, married an American girl. So, you know, those kind of things, but not necessarily with particular timeframes involved unless I need to be at an event somewhere. And then I just work it out when I get somewhere. Once I'm at a place, I'm pretty meticulous in my research i'm paranoid and really get serious fomo <laughs> and i'm worried i'm going to miss something or like i'll go past something and then i think i'll someone will tell me a great travel story about something they went to and i haven't been there you know 
So once I get to a place, I now, in my old age, do a lot of research about what I want to do once I get there. Yeah, because otherwise, what if I miss out on the best thing that the place has to offer? That sounds, I mean, that sounds a lot like me too of like, yeah, what if I miss the best thing? Or like, what if I'm doing the <laughs> wrong thing? That's the, that's the, that's yeah. the other part of that. It's like, oh, what if I do this trip wrong? Which you can't do the trip wrong. No, right? you can't do the trip wrong. You doing it is, is the best thing. And, yeah. and that you did it based on swing dancing events is awesome. Did, were you a swing dancer well, before or like? Yeah, I'm a bad swing dancer, but yes. I did do swing dancing before. I started blues dancing with an ex-boyfriend. We had lessons when our relationship was falling apart, you know, those kind of lessons that try and bind you back together. <laughs> and um, and then after we broke up, I was like, oh, I'm going to keep going. So then I started swing because that was what was available. And so swing dancing is amazing because the community is really good. So you go to events and particularly the, the smaller community events, like they organize people to host you and there's parties and after parties and you sleep at people's houses and like it's really, really social. That's a really yeah, cool like subculture and community that like. I know. What if I've exposed it? I hope no one listens to this. Sorry, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> well, but like it also, like you said, it gives you sort of the string of your, your trip and like what. Yeah, you know, yeah that's what the, it was. The structure around which and. and and I think that helps. And also like it puts you with people that have similar passions or, mm-hmm. or maybe similar life experiences or, or whatever, you know. Uh, and you'd think it would, but I ended up going to a driving range with someone from swing dancing and that is not me. <laughs> but you, you did it. Now you know that <laughs> driving ranges. What about driving ranges? Like I'm tr- I was going to try and make a huge like judgment about who you are and why you don't like driving ranges. Hang on, stop. Stop, stop. I think I've got the wrong word. This is good. What's when you shoot shit? Oh, oh, yeah. No, a driving range is for golf. Uh, <laughs> like, it's not called a shooting range. Went, it might just be called a shooting range, shooting galley. I went and shot stuff. I've never done that. But that's, uh, yeah. Yeah, because they're all Navy. They're all in the Navy and the military and everything. And they, they know about guns. And I, well, I'm Australian. We don't generally have guns. And so I went. I didn't. Enjoy I it. I just shot a a handgun and then walked out of the room and went, I'm done. That'll do me. And everyone else shot the big guns. I was out. Loud. I read my book on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> but like, that's great too. Like you didn't have any FOMO or like you, cause you tried it, right? Like if no. you hadn't, if you hadn't done it, you would have been like, oh man, maybe, you know, shooting that handgun would have felt so good. Or like, I would have, Yeah, <laughs> I have no what idea. What if it was my life passion and I never did it? Right. Or maybe this Navy, you know, ex Navy guy was my husband. We just like I would have found that out. You yeah. know, that was the. <laughs> but like, I think that's that's why both of us do the things that we do. And there is that FOMO, but it's also like I think there's an inkling or an instinct because I was thinking of it where it's not just anxiety of why I wanted to leave or why we want why you wanted no. to run away. There, there's something calling me out there, and not that sounds maybe a little bit. You know, I don't mean like fate or anything like that. I just mean like mm, there's a reason mm. or there's something that I want to go do. And it's just like something in me is telling me to go and it's not just the anxiety. And sometimes it's hard to tell yeah. because I am an anxious person. So sometimes it is just like, oh, I just need to go for a walk. I don't need to book a, tri- a trip to Spain. Yeah. But every time I've done one of these and I, I'm going to assume that this is the same for you, you've never regretted it and you've learned 
so many different things, things that you didn't know you were going to learn or you didn't know what was going to happen, right? And you've never been like, oh, I'm sorry, I bought this plane ticket. No, never. Not once. No. And even probably when you're in it, right? Because like we've had, I mean, you you definitely had like some intense moments, like because you were traveling during COVID. And even during that, you didn't have any regrets? Not so much. Like COVID hit when I was in Nicaragua and I was coming, I had two months left on my trip and I came back early. Like I've, I've had things that were challenging, like COVID happened, Australia told all the Australians to come home, the borders were closing. That week my passport got stolen and I had to, oh. I had to get a new passport and try and get home. That was stressful, like I'll give you that, but it wasn't, uh, yeah, I didn't regret going, not at all, not at all. But I also, we talked about this, I also wasn't very proud of the way I behaved when, in that time period because I was living in the north, like not living, I was staying in the north of Nicaragua learning Spanish. It was great. And when my passport got stolen, I came back to Managua to to, <laughs> to get a new passport and I just booked a hotel around the corner from the consulate and and stayed in a hotel for five days until my passport arrived and then I flew out. And it was like, you know, if anyone's ever been to, to Nicaragua, like Nicaragua is a great country, it's a great culture, it's a little bit unsafe at times for both its population and for the people living there and for travellers and there was a lot of um, protesting going on at the time but I feel like I was really embarrassed that I (laughs) retreated to this semi-posh hotel around the corner from the consulate and there was a posh market on the corner that sold all western food that was too expensive and a mall across the highway that was this monstrosity that had all of the international brands in it and I stayed there for a week and waited until my passport arrived instead of going back into the community that I'd previously been staying in it just it was you know and and I'm not I'm not proud of that at all like that's just when you get stressed and worried you you take an easy I took an easy path and I probably shouldn't have I should have been living out the experience for that last week but I retreated and I don't watched Netflix. Think, well I, I mean I, I I that is a familiar thought you know of like going taking well punishing yourself there but like I don't you, you your passport was stolen and you do need to get that so I mean, it felt like you were sort of following the situation, right? And also this was happening during, was this before COVID or during? No, it was during, it was after Australia told us to come home. So the the Prime Minister made an announcement saying Australians should come home and then the borders were closed. Nicaragua didn't change, close their borders and Mexico didn't, but everywhere else did, Guatemala, Honduras. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I understand why, you, like, you feel like, I'm trying to figure it out. Like, what was the, what do you wish you would have done? Like, you wish you had just had stayed in the community you were in and then when the consulate had your passport, you'd go and pick it up and then return back or? That would have been too hard. It was a four-hour, three-hour bus ride from it. I could have chose, I didn't need to stay in that ritzy posh hotel around the corner in Managua. I was, I was a little bit frightened 
of Managua because everyone says it's so dangerous that the travellers, I don't know if it is. <laughs> and the, even the family that I stayed with was like, don't stay in Managua. It's like, okay, righto. But, you know, I, I didn't need to go to the gated house, the gated hotel with a swimming pool and, a, you know, I could have gone and stayed in a local community. That would have probably been fine. I could have still continued to eat local food and and I didn't. I just walked down the block to the the easy place. I mean, but it also, it's also understandable why. Like, so it was, you know, this is traumatic. You don't have your passport and the, probably the scariest time not to have a passport when like basically your, yeah. you know, your country, your home country is telling you, you have to come back and you can't really, uh, I don't know. No, it doesn't, I couldn't. It totally makes sense why you would go to what is safe. Uh, and even if it, I think I would feel the same level of shame of like, oh, I'm eating Western food now. I'm at this hotel. And I hadn't eaten Western, like I hadn't eat, gone and, and got pizza or, you know, burgers and those kind of things. I hadn't done that for months. And then all of a sudden I was like, give me some pasta. <laughs> I wonder, it's, it sort of feels like, oh, I didn't learn anything or, oh, I haven't changed. Oh, I'm still. Yeah, I'm yeah, still it's kind of like that. So what do you value in a friendship and, and how can I be a better friend for you going forward? This is not the answer to that question, but <laughs> all week, the last, how long since we last talked, you send lovely messages to me saying lovely things. And then I was telling this, this person that I hang out with a lot lately who we're not labeling. Ah. Anyway, I was, <laughs> I was telling him. Can I call I him your like, banging buddy? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You call him my banging buddy. That's fine. Um, so he was like, he was like, I was like, look at this. And he's just sent another lovely message. And he's like, this guy, he's a great guy. And I'm like, I know you send great messages. And I'm like, yep, sure. No worries. Catch you then. Like (laughs) I've got to really lift my friend's game, you know? No, I, yeah. That was that question wasn't meant to make you feel guilty about your, our friendship. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. No, well, thank I'll you. For question, sa- yeah. No, thank you. That was a compliment. I will take it. Thank you uh, for. I mean, I think that was a compliment. You said I was a good, yeah. uh, a good person, sending you nice messages. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. But you deserve it, and I think also I want you to know that, or like, sort of, I'm getting better at when I think about someone actually acting on it. I think for a long time, mm. I just mm. would think about people and not say anything, and then. When people would sort of maybe feel like I was taken for granted, like taking them for granted or wasn't thinking about them. I was like, or, or like, wasn't a good friend. I was just like, it boggled my mind. But of course they weren't in my brain where I'm like, yes. you know, I do care about these people so much, but I also, I get overwhelmed by people. So there's only, you know, you're, you're, yeah. you're right now in the middle of a hot streak of me sending things. And yeah. <laughs> there, will, there will be a couple of weeks, you know, months, you know, years where like that. Yes, yes. And That's fine. Yeah. And I think the understanding on your end is, is always where that that's all I need. I think the other way is like, Oh, under, you know, Andy, I guess is like comes and goes, but I think also there was a, an element of like, you're, you're going on this journey with me and I want you to be comfortable and feel like we're, you know, maybe not in that posh hotel, but we're in like, you know, we're in a, the right hostel. Yeah. No bed bugs. No bed bugs. How did you get rid of those bed bugs? <laughs> I don't think I ever really did. <laughs> 
I'm not sure. I think I got lucky in, in Belfast. Like I, I definitely got some, but it felt like they didn't stick with me when I left. I got yeah. a second, a second round in Barcelona. And that was a, that's a whole nother episode. Yeah. Where yeah, I went, that's I went and visited my prom date from high school and had bed bugs. It was, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I built that, oh, I built that like whole like reunion up in my head and I'm coming like, you know, scratching my legs until they bleed on the train. <laughs> Uh, I, I don't even think I can hug her because I'm like, oh, no. I don't want to give it. But she hugs me. And then I just like, I was going to like not say anything. And then immediately I just have to be like, R, I have, I have bed bugs, like help. We need to get rid of this. And then, and then, you know, she like had a washer dryer and then we just put them on the, the ceiling or on the roof. That's exactly right. So we, you know, crisis averted, but like, I don't think I was ever, it set the tone for that, like that stay in Barcelona. I never felt comfortable. I felt like a, a loser. And certainly, you know, any sort of like romance was never going to happen anyway, but like the bed bugs certainly, yeah. <laughs> Put a dampener on it. Yeah, exactly. It, it, and what well, the funny, the great Andy thing is I went to the same hostel in Barcelona on my way back. I went back cause I had so, so much fun the first time. I'm an idiot. That is silly. Have they got yeah. rid of the bed bugs? I didn't get them again. So yeah, I guess so. Oh, must have, um, you might have taken them back there. <laughs> yeah, no. You're right. Yeah, that's true. Like when I left, you know, having gotten rid of them. Oh man. <laughs> I was flying. So I think, I think, you know, once you put them under the plane and they're at 40,000 feet, they're mm-hmm. dead, right? That's the theory I was going on. Oh man. You probably gave, gave it to whoever you were sitting with in that. Oh no. Those poor people. <laughs> This is this conversation is why Lily will never go and stay at a hostel with Don't me. Don't tell her. Don't tell her. There's so many positives, Lily. There's so many positives. Yes. Um, no, can I seriously answer what what about our friendship thing? Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> I don't need anything, Andy. I just need a conversation every once in a while at 4 a.m. your time. <laughs> <laughs> once you've had a couple of whiskeys, that's oh, all man. I need. <laughs> <laughs> so you can just I can entertain you for a little bit. Yeah. Lunch right. when I'm in LA and your mom's house when she's on holiday. Do you think that is that too much to ask? Uh, okay, I I'll ask for one thing back. Let me know if you if yeah. you need or want a conversation, then I can make it happen rather than we wait until yes. I'm actually awake for four in the morning and it and it happens. If if you want to have a yes. chat, you can do that first yeah, move yes. and then we'll do it. But yeah, that uh that sounds great. We can be. I'm going to go buy some lockdown booze now. So, um, <laughs> lockdown liquor. I'll bring it. Be careful, and uh, but good luck. Say hi to your your banging buddy for me. This that yeah, was sure. her term. That was her term. But I <laughs> said it embarrassingly on this. Does is banging translatable? Do you say oh, that in America? The oh States? yeah, yeah. People know what banging. Oh yeah, is. yeah. Good. Don't worry. Oh good. Just checking in. No, no. I I appreciate the check in. <laughs> I don't think we're going to get a better out than that. I think this is it. Thank you. We did it. I had a banging good time. (laughs) I'm so grateful to Marianne, M.A., Mez, for joining me and trusting me, and to you all for listening to our conversation. Marianne remains in lockdown, a reminder that while America appears on the verge of a new normal, whatever that means, we still have a long, long way to go in fighting COVID-19. 
I'm sorry to say that M.A. and her banging buddy broke up shortly after this recording, but rest assured, her relationship with her cooler remains bulletproof. M.A. is still on the lookout for the right fridge. Forever confident she will find it. And before I continue our send-off, I want to share a special treat with you. My pilot guest and dear friend, Kyle Dickinson, a.k.a. Kyle Munich, a.k.a. Papa Munich, wanted to share a poem he discovered that reminded us both of this episode. I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. Without further ado... Here's Kyle. The One Who Is at Home by Francisco Albanez Each day I long so much to see the true teacher. And each time at dusk when I open the cabin door and empty the teapot, I think I know where he is. West of us, in the forest. Or perhaps I am the one who is out in the night. The forest sand wet under my feet, moonlight shining on the sides of the birch trees the sea far off gleaming, and he is the one who is at home. He sits in my chair calmly. He reads and prays all night. He loves to feel his own body around him. He does not leave his house. If you want more poetry, you can find the soundtrack of Marianne's life, which totally features men at work and all other Naked Man guest soundtracks on the Naked Man Spotify page. Please rate and subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tell all your friends and fellow travelers. And if you want to join our community, follow us on Instagram at NakedManPod, and don't hesitate to reach out to us at NakedManPod at gmail.com. Better yet, give us a call at 747-231-7120 and share your thoughts and feelings with us. Tell me how we can do better. Next time on the Naked Man Podcast, I invite my friend and Naked Man-themed composer himself, Robert Panico, to discuss life as an empath. In the meantime, as my dad always says, be sweet. This episode of the Naked Man podcast was conceived by Andy Green in collaboration with Mary Ann Tangy. The Naked Man is a podcast hosted, created, and produced by me, Andy Green. All music was composed by Robert Panico, and all graphics were created by Christopher Miles. I've never had sex skydiving. <laughs>